Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome, everybody, to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am Dale Lucaville. Thank you very much for joining me. This week's recap and rant, uh, probably, a, probably a quick one. Um, didn't do a ton this weekend. Um, I could have went fishing. Well, I had some projects at the house that had, uh, had to be taken care of. I had to get that mower up and running. Thing uh, wasn't going. That was... That was fun, uh, but it was successful. Got my lawn mowed, so that's that's cool. Uh, right up in time that I was going to like mow my path back to my deer stand, um, then there was an issue with my belt. So yeah, I gotta fix that yet. So that'll be fun. Um, not, I hate, I hate that. I wish things would just work and not always break. Uh, so yeah, I gotta do that. Um, Probably should go take a look at that stand, make sure, you know, evict any wasps that I assume have made a a home in there. I uh, would like to get a quick food plot put in, too. Um, I really don't think I need to. It's something I've done in the past. Not, <laughs> if I'm being honest, I really don't think it matters. Like, the times that I have and the times that I haven't, can't say I've noticed a marked difference in deer sightings or not but you know what it's kind of fun uh might as well put a few strips of turnips or something in there you know like some fresh clover or something like that yeah you never know anything to slightly tip the scales in your direction right like i said that's eh, kind of fun to do anyways so i uh, might do that um but did go scouting on saturday morning and man scouting for pigeons by the way and did it feel goosey like it's it seems so early like i know the we're a month away well a little over a month away from uh, about a month away from early goose season and i know that the small greens have already been harvested which is probably going to be an issue maybe uh, i was talking to nick j and he brought up a good point 
or at least maybe think of something is like, well, it is dry. If it stays dry, because I was worried that these small grain fields would be overgrown, because that's what happened last year. The grains got cut early, and this year even earlier. And then by the time September rolls around, they're overgrown or plowed under. The plowed under thing might still be an issue because I did see a few fields that already had cover crops growing in them. Like uh, I think they plant like some sort of turnips or something in them. At least that's some that's what it looked like from the road. Um, but there might, I mean, if it stays dry, the weeds and st- and the grass, there might not be a lot of regrowth. So the small grain fields might still play. I don't know. So I think I'm going to have to drive around and, and try to get permission on some of those grain fields just in case. Um, but also saw geese in some of these small grain fields. And man, does that seem early. We must have had an early clutch, early hatch. Because this seems like, I don't know. It just seems crazy early to me. But it was just so surreal. Like it felt like early September because it was cool that morning. And just kind of damp. It just had that early goose feeling. It felt like September, early September weather. And then to see the geese in the fields and some cranes, it's like deja vu. I mean, it was this hunting season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so at least all the visual cues were there anyways. But weird thing is I didn't see shit for pigeons. Uh, Drove around to some of my spots that we've seen them in the past and nothing. But thankfully, Nick found a a feed, so we concocted a plan to go do that. Um, Brought the recording equipment out. We were going to record in the field, but didn't uh, remember batteries. Kind of important to power the recorder. So we didn't do it in the field, uh, but we did record Waterfall Wednesday on the drive back and so the first time ever i used the area microphone on my h6 portable recorder and uh, i didn't use that i wasn't sure what kind of sound quality we were going to get if there'd be too much background noise and it's actually not too bad um definitely not as good as you know microphones where it's all you hear is the two voices and no background noise there is some road noise in it um for those of you that are Waterfall Wednesday fans are going to listen to it. Just be prepared for that. But it's it's not bad. Um, I've heard other podcasts do these on the road ones, and and it's never bothered me. Hearing that, you know, you you kind of notice it at first, but then once you get in the conversation, you kind of forget about it. It's almost like you're in the car, you know. So <laughs> join us for a trip as we go on uh, Waterfall Wednesday. Anyway, so uh, yeah, we talk about that. Um, we shot some birds. It wasn't like uh, crazy. It wasn't a hundred bird shoot or anything. Um, but we had consistent action. The flocks were smaller than we kind of thought. And that could have a few different reasons why. The farmer, he was, he was out there spreading manure, and he's like, "That's they'd fly right after he got done. But they had an issue with the spreader that morning, and they didn't get out there till later. So that might have played a role in it. The weather might have played a role in it. It was really kind of hazy and kind of chilly that morning, so maybe they are just sitting tight. Um, you know, we could see him on the silos and stuff like that. But um, according to Nick, when he scouted it, he what we saw was like just a fraction of, of the birds that he saw in the field the day before. So, you know, that's hunting. That's just how it goes, right? Um, but it was fun. 
And so that's only the second time I've ever actually intentionally went out for pigeons. And it is a blast. I mean, what a great way to kind of get into the swing of things, literally and figuratively, you know, brushing up on your wing shooting uh, as the hunting season is a month away. And so that's kind of what we talked about for the upcoming one up on Wednesday was um, how to prepare. What should we, what should you do? What should you be doing to prepare for the upcoming waterfall season and uh, what we each individually kind of do? And I have some projects I need to get to, and he's got some things that he's working on. And so yeah, that'll be. So that was that's that's what I did this weekend. Now I was tempted to bring the boat down. All the way to Wabasha, and because uh, practice officially started for the Minnesota Bass Nation Tournament of Champions, which is this week, the 5th and the 6th, Thursday and Friday. And I thought about, I wouldn't have a ton of time, but I was like, well, I could drag the boat down there and, and get some time on the water and familiarize myself with some spots that I haven't quite checked out yet. And uh, from what I hear from a buddy of mine, he says that place was a circus this weekend. So a lot of boats were down there pre-fishing for it. So um, for better or for worse, I'm just going to wing it. I mean, I got the, the spots that I had found and that produced for me um, a couple weeks ago for our club events. Um, you know, I got those on my list, Milk Run. I got some... I got kind of a strategy in my mind, and I'm not going to say that what it is now. I don't want to give it away. Not that it's like, you know, anything too crazy, but uh, I'll play it a little tight to the chest. We'll see how it pans out. So um, next week, as recap and rant, you will have a rundown of how well or shitty I did, and if my theory panned out or not. We shall see. Um, I don't expect giant bags from everything i'm hearing the fishing's been pretty tough down there so we shall see i'm excited about it i'm nervous about it but at the same time i'm kind of going into it relaxed and that concerns me i'm not i'm usually kind of wound tight for these things and this one's i'm like well it's going to kind of be what it's going to be <laughs> i don't know why i have a little i shouldn't not really lackadaisical but I don't know at least right now who knows I, I can tell you right now Wednesday night I'm not going to sleep for shit I never sleep good the night before a tournament because my mind just races it gets like caught in these continuous loops of what ifs um, and if I'm being honest you know I will allow myself to fantasize quite a bit, you know, about just coming in with a super sack and, you know, running away with a thing and just being a hero. Uh, but then I usually, in that little fantasy, will bring myself back to reality. And then it goes more of like, oh, if this doesn't work, then we're going to try that. And if that doesn't work, we're going to try that. And what about this? And what about that? And then it goes back into, and then that kind of snowballs back into this fantasy of, oh, if it works, or if I find him here, or if this, and I, and this produces a five-pounder, and I find a five-pounder over there, and oh, 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 I catch a state record. Oh, my God. And it's just, this is my brain the night before a tournament. It's so stupid. But I, there's no amount of talking to myself that gets me off that ledge. It just... It's just part of the, pro the process. That's just all there is to it. So I don't get good sleep the night before a tournament. 
which there's two tournaments, so it means two nights of not sleeping well, which means I'll sleep pretty good this weekend <laughs> after it's all said and done. Sure would like some rain, but I don't really see any in the forecast because uh, that was the other thing I did on Saturdays. I did finally get out and do some foraging. So on the on the heels of my uh, pigeon scouting, failed pigeon scouting, I decided to hit one of my favorite chunks of woods in a, a county park that has been really good to me in the past for chanterelles and uh, really dry. I had forgotten my head net and long sleeve shirt. And I was like, this could be a problem because this particular patch of woods is also known for hordes of mosquitoes and deer flies. I'm like, this could be a problem. But it had been really dry, so I was like, well, I'll try it. If it's too bad, I'll just have to bail on it and see what I see. But when in the woods, the bugs were not bad, probably because it was dry. And unfortunately, because it was dry, there wasn't much for mushrooms. I mean, I'm not even talking about chanterelles. Uh, just in general, you can kind of gauge. If you go foraging and you're looking for mushrooms, you can kind of gauge whether or not you're going to have a decent day by just the amount of other mushrooms around. You know, the non-edible ones, you know, whatever. Like, it's the, the same conditions that are good for chanterelles are good for pretty much all mushrooms. You know, mushrooms need heat and they need moisture. And we got the heat, but we didn't have the moisture. And it was pretty dry. So I decided to go to one of my best spots in that place, which is down in elevation a little bit closer to some water. And went down there. It was still pretty dry. I found one little one. So that made me start looking a little harder. And then I did end up finding a few, some nice ones too, um, but not many. I'd found enough for a meal, and that was pretty much it. Uh, and then... So I, I looked pretty hard once I, I'm like, okay, well, there are some. So then I kind of slowed down my search and found a few more. Um, so, and, and I kind of break it down. I mean, so I should back up. I made a, I made a little TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Um, I'm not, I think I'm, I think it's full scale outdoors on TikTok um, or full scale Dale. I think it is on TikTok. Um, it's, it's kind of a like at the end of it, I do kind of a little bit of a how-to. Um, so real quick, like if you're looking for chanterelles, it, it, unlike if you're a very beginner mushroom hunter, you know most people do morels in the spring. It's not quite like that. It's not um, like there isn't a tree to look for or anything like that. You know, in, in the spring you're looking for dead elms and depending on where you live, stuff like that. And chanterelles don't really do that. You want a nice uh, mixed hardwood forest um i've done better with richer soil spots um with that said i've heard other people say that good you know sandy well-drained soil has been really good for them that hasn't been my experience but that doesn't mean anything that just that just means my experience um, but the mixed hardwoods you know so a mix of oaks and maples and ashes and walnuts and you know just different trees you know you want to you want a good variety of different trees and then they're pretty easy to find they're a yellowish orange more yellow than they are orange so they again not like morels where like camouflaged into the leaf litter these you can usually see these from a from a ways off um but i think they were a little harder to find this time around i think because it's so dry like their color was drab they almost look like dead leaves a little bit you know once I, once I saw them, you saw them, and then, you know, but it's, it's, 
they weren't as vibrant as they usually are, not not quite as obvious. Um, so they so they're yellowish orange. Um, they have like a concave top in the cap. They have what's called false gills, uh, meaning they don't the gills underneath the cap don't go to they don't have like a hard stop. Like on a lot of mushrooms, you have just the cap underneath the cap will have the gills, and then it's like a ring, and then just a straight stalk. These these gills kind of fade into the stalk. It doesn't have that hard stop, and they have a slight smell of apricot. Their only real look-alike is the jack-o'-lantern mushroom, and they're not really that look-alike. Um, jack-o'-lanterns are definitely more orange, sometimes bordering brownish orange, and they grow out of wood. Chanterelles grow out of the dirt, so that's you know that's a good indicator. Um, and what I what I do when I find a mushroom I don't I don't recognize. I'll go into a search engine, Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever, and I'll put in as many descriptors of that, you know, color, size, gills or spores, you know, gills or no gills, uh, anything I can think of where I found it, and you just throw that with the mushroom tag on the end of it into a search engine and then go into images and then scroll through images till you find the one you're questioning. And you can click on that. That'll usually give you a name, scientific name usually, and then you can Google that. And then, you know, put edible on the end of it. And they'll generally, you know, with a little bit of sleuthing, you can figure out what you got and if you can bring it home and eat it or not. But anyways, I made a little TikTok uh, about it. Um, so, you, and I'm holding one, so you can kind of get a good picture of that. So if you're so inclined, go find me on TikTok and follow me there. Uh, yeah, so that's what I did this weekend. Um, made a pretty bomb-ass meal with it. Um I don't get crazy with my mushrooms. You know, there's a lot of different stuff you can do, even with, like, my morels. Like, people bread them, and they do this and that, and that's fine. But I I just, you know, basically when people are like, how do you make this mushroom or that mushroom? I go, butter. <laughs> so I basically saute these in butter with some chopped garlic. And then one of the things I like to do is I like to deglaze my pan with just a splash of red wine. And that, I mean, they're good without it, but, man, does that really put them over the top oh they're so good then we put those on ribeye steaks and we had some green beans fresh green beans out of my garden and some corn that we had from last year and i made some hojo potatoes oh it was really good it's a good meal good hearty meal so uh yeah if you're so inclined the mushrooms are out the chanterelles are out i've been seeing some reports of people finding golden oysters in minnesota which that's kind of new um I guess technically they would be an invasive species. Um, they never were historically here, but they're here now. Um, they're delicious. People are still finding chicken of the woods. That's another really good, easy beginner mushroom hunter one. Um, they stick out, you know, dark or uh, bright orange on top, like sulfur yellow underneath. They have pores, not gills, and they grow out of wood, usually dead oaks or dying oaks. Um, pretty easy. They don't have any toxic lookalike, so go get them. Um, so people are finding those and a handful of beliefs I'm seeing people find, but we are in desperate need of some rain. Oh, I did see, uh, somebody had a hen of the woods, which those are a little harder to find. They grow at the base of oak trees and they're just a drab brown and it's a big like cluster. Um, somebody found those, which is incredible. 
incredibly early, but in that thread, I think it was like mushroom hunting in Minnesota or something on, on Facebook, a group. And they're like, yeah, this spot usually does produce really early. So it's like, well, cause it's usually considered a fall mushroom. Um, but they found one. So who knows? Nothing else. It's a good excuse to go walking in the woods. Uh, yeah. And I've had some other people request like, um, you should do some more recipes, kind of like I did with this mushroom thing, and I've been thinking about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm working a little something in my mind. Um, I might be putting a little something, something together with um, some recipes for different game and foraged things that I find and fish and and wort nert. So uh, yeah, you can keep a lookout for that. I'm not gonna give you a due date because God knows when I'll get around to it. But uh, yeah, so there's your recap. Uh, for my rant, uh, God, I went, I went and tried to find it, and I, I couldn't find it. I need to be better about writing this shit down. But well, some group on Facebook, and it might have been like Minnesota Hunting or some hunting forum, and it was somebody had made a comment or posted a meme about, and I'm going to paraphrase. That's why I wanted to find it, and I couldn't. But something about um, if you want to protect the resource or – it had something about do with getting newbies into the sport or into the hobby. And a lot of people, you know, it's better if you took them out or showed them than to ridicule them on social media, something to that effect. And so, of course, that started a whole big comment stream. And I started reading some of the comments, and I got a little discouraged. Not going to lie. I, I was like, people really think this way, huh? Like, you think that would be something that people would agree with. I guess maybe not. I mean, it seems like, I don't know, I'm for it. I'm all for helping out the youth and helping out even adult onset hunters or whatever. What was disconcerting is the people that kind of spoke out against it or had some criticism of it, super selfish. Like, stuff like, oh, it's more ducks for me. Uh, it's more fish for me. Uh, the woods are already, public land is already too busy. You already got to fight for a duck blind spot. And I was like, what the hell? Like, if you don't, like, that's, it doesn't make any sense to me. The the more people you have, and, and I'm not discrediting that some of those things might happen. Like, if more people get involved, yeah, there's going to be more competition for resources. That's a true statement, but good. Like that, that's, it might seem like an inconvenience at the time, but it's, and you've heard me harp on this multiple times in this podcast. If you, if you are a subscriber and if you're not, you should hit the subscribe or the follow button. Go ahead and do that right now. I'll wait. All right. You're back. <laughs> Why wow, you're really fast at that. Uh, anyways, is that's more voices at the table and we all know that hunting and fishing and trapping, these things are all under attack. They're constantly under attack by anti-hunters and animal rights activists and people that are just disconnected from the wild. You know, if they live in the, the city, these lawmakers have lost touch with, you know, urban America and they just don't, they just don't get it. And so it's up to us to have a loud voice or more voices. And it's extremely important to bring up the youth, um, in, in any of these, whether it's hunting or trapping or fishing or whatever, um, we just don't have time for this like infighting um, that we're that we're seeing. And this one is kind of one of the worst ones because I just how incredibly 
selfish it is to be making those kind of statements, how incredibly short-sighted it is to have that philosophy. And I'm going to make an analogous to this. Like, it's, it's a shared interest, right? Like, you're not dealing with one. What if you had the same... Take that line of thinking and apply it to politics. Take that line of thinking and apply it to voting, right? I don't... Let's say you're conservative, right? Just... You can. I'm not picking one side or the other. Just for this example, let's just say you're you're a registered Republican. All right, perfect, great, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. So you're you're a registered Republican. You go to vote, and there's a line there, and you have to wait to vote. And you're like, oh, this is just ridiculous. I can't believe. Like, you know what? What are the good old days when I could just walk in, cast my vote, and leave? I can't believe I have to share this polling place, this voting booth, with other people that are voting the way I want to vote. Like, what? What? Why? What? Of course you would want, if they were all there only to vote for your party, only to vote Republican, you'd be ecstatic. You'd be like high-fiving people and fist-bumping and, you know, You'd be having the time of your life. You're like, all right, good showing by the Republicans. We're going to dominate this election cycle. All right, let's go. But you take that and you apply it, go to the boat ramp, and you're like, oh, man, all these people here. I can't believe there's all these people with a shared interest in this resource and spending money and buying licenses and going back into the resource that you really like to use. The mild inconvenience of having to share that resource, the benefits you get from that far outweigh your mild inconvenience. And I have no sympathy for you whatsoever. If your line of thought is good, hunting numbers are down, license sales are down, fishing numbers are down, good, that's more for me, you don't see the big picture. You don't get it. Because without those other people interested in it, your voice is going to get lost. And the next time you go to that ramp, next time you want to go hunt that lake, you might not get to do it at all. There might not be any other boats there because, and I won't even go with the animal rights like banning it. You know what's more likely to happen? Somebody buys up all the land around a WMA that you used to like to go to because the money wasn't there. The interest wasn't there. The funding got lost. The state needed some money. So what did they do? They sold off those WMA, and next thing you know, there's houses being popped up around it, and now you can't hunt it. Now you can't fish it. Now it's a private lake. Who's going to be the first one to bitch? You are. The same one that was like, oh, that's more for me. Nope. Now you get nothing. And the reason was you're short-sighted, you're selfish, and you had allies, you could have had allies, I should say, but you pushed them away. So you should take time and help out inexperienced hunters, anglers, outdoorsmen. You should take time to recruit youth and retain youth. And you should take time to take your buddy that you work with, that guy that's been asking you about hunting. Maybe he's just wanted to get hunting, but he didn't have anybody to go to. You can be that person. You can be that mentor. Get people started. The more people interested, there's more voices, there are more dollars. You bring value to it. And then money talks. We know this in America. Follow the money. Money talks. And the only way to get that money is to have a lot of people interested in it. Otherwise, you're going to lose out. 
to special interest. You're going to lose out to big corporations. You are going to lose out. Do not be short-sighted. Do not be selfish. It is not the time. With that said, the ice fishing tournament league that I'm in, Minnesota Made Outdoors, we have formed a nonprofit organization that we have called FAM. It's Future Anglers of Minnesota. And what we are going to do, we are going to raise money to buy gear and equipment for young would-be anglers. Um, you know, because as things get more and more expensive, and you can hear about this too, oh, it's becoming a rich man's sport. It's becoming this, becoming that. And and to an extent, some of that is true. So along with some mentoring, what we're really looking to do is help out some young people, some young anglers, and get them in a partnership with our sponsors, in a partnership with your donations. Um, we are going to equip these young anglers with the gear that they need so that money will not be a barrier for entry. And we are going to bring more people to the sport, and we are going to do that thing, which I'm talking about. We are going to mentor these young anglers and because they are the future i almost broke into song right there <laughs> i believe the children are future uh but they are i mean that's it's i know it sounds cliche some people might be tired of hearing about it but listen you love fishing you love hunting you love trapping why is that probably because somebody in your family took you you had a grandpa, uncle, dad, brother. In my family, that really wasn't the case. Well, fishing was. We we did fish, but I did not hunt. I was more of an adult onset hunter, but I had a good friend that hunted, and that's kind of how I got into it. Um, we all had somebody that introduced us to the sport, so we need to now be the ones that introduce other people to the sport. And if you have kids, great. If you have nieces and nephews, awesome but if you don't it's it's as equally important to take that neighbor kid down the street out that might not have anybody in his family or her family so keep that in mind that's kind of what fam is going to do we have a golf tournament coming up um september 25th a charity golf event um we're i think we have like three or four team spots available yet so if you're a golfer I'm not, but I'm doing it. Um, I'm a board member of FAM, so kind of kind of obliged to, to be there. I'm not a golfer. I don't really even like it, but I'm going to do it. Uh, there's going to be a ton of other stuff, uh, games to play. Um, you know, people are sponsoring holes, so there'll be money and prizes to win. It's going to be a really good time. And this is what I can say, that people of Minnesota made a great group of guys, super fun to hang out with, uh, and gals. Keep that in mind. We do have a female team. Come on out. Get a team together. Help us raise some money for a great cause. This is our first charity event for FAM. We're just getting rolling. And um, we are hoping for big, big things um, with future anglers of Minnesota. So with that, I bid you all adieu. Thank you very much for listening. Like I said, coming up this week, I have the um, Tournament of Champions, the 5th and the 6th. So that's where I'll be putting my energies. Uh, I usually get pretty tapped out. Um, I get mentally spent, so I don't know if I actually, outside of that, like this weekend, I may or may not do some fishing. 
uh, might work, make some money. I don't know. Cause I'm, obviously I got to take some time off, uh, to fish the actual tournament, but, um, that's what I'll be doing. So stay tuned for that. That'll be fun to watch. Of course, if you don't already follow me on Snapchat, find me on Snapchat, Dale Luganbill. Uh, I'll be posting stuff on there, uh, and I'll try to keep everybody updated on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well as uh, my progress at the end of the day, uh, Thursday and into Friday. We'll keep everybody posted. If you're out there, uh, time to scout, man. Time to get ready. Uh, if you're a bow hunter, it's going to be here before you know it. Time to start slinging some arrows downrange. I know I talked about this last week. Um, but I'm just going to keep reminding you and me, because it's more for me, guess what I haven't done yet? Picked up my bow. Maybe I'll do that this weekend. So, yeah. With that, I'm going to leave you. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe. Please rate it and review it where you can. It really does help. Um, helps other people find the podcast. And the more people that find it, the more we grow, the more I can, more outreach I have and can get more guests and bigger name guests and uh, just more and better content for you guys to consume. So, yeah, that's it. With that, I will leave you with this. Whatever your passion, pursue it full scale. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.